The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham, adapted by Bart Meehan, directed by Tony Turner, with original music by Glenn Gore Phillips. The cast includes Nicky Hunter as the narrator, Elaine Noon as Mole, Geoffrey Borney as Ratty, Tony Turner as Toad, Graham Robertson as Badger, Nigel Palfreyman as Otter, Lainey Hart as the jailer's daughter and the bargewoman, and Neil MacLeod as the magistrate, the engine driver and the gypsy. The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham A Paper Moon Theatre production in association with Artsound FM Episode 7 On the River The sunlight streamed into the hollow. Toad sat up, rubbing his eyes and his complaining toes as he wondered where he was. Then, with a leap of heart, he remembered everything. His escape, his flight, the pursuit, and of course the most important thing. I'm free! And I shall soon be walking into Toad Hall in triumph. There will be hurrahs and cheers of welcome home. All I need to do is set off. And set off he did. Cold but confident, hungry but hopeful. All the nervous terrors of yesterday dispelled by rest and sleep and the wonderful morning sunshine. Soon he came upon a canal and saw a plodding, solitary horse stooping forward as if in anxious thought. From rope traces attached to his collar stretched a long line, taut but dipping with his stride. Toad let the horse pass and stood waiting for what he knew would follow, wrapping the shawl tightly round his shoulders. With a pleasant swirl of quiet water at its blunt bow, the barge slid up alongside of him, its gaily painted gunwale level with the towing path, its sole occupant, a big stout woman wearing a linen sunbonnet, one brawny arm laid along the tiller. Good morning, Mum. And a nice morning it is too. I dare say it is, Mum. I dare say it is a nice morning to them that's uh, not in sore trouble like what I am. Here's my married daughter. She sends for me to come post-haste. So off I comes, not knowing what may be happening or going to happen, but fearing the worst, as you will understand, ma'am, if you're a mother too. And I've left my business to look after itself. I'm in the washing and laundering line, you must know, ma'am, and I've left my young children to look after themselves, 
and a more mischievous and troublesome set of young imps doesn't exist. Mom, and I've lost all my money and lost my way, and as for what may be happening to my married daughter, why, I don't like to think of it, Mom. Where might your married daughter be living, Mrs? She lives next to the river, close to a fine house called Toad Hall. That's somewheres hereabouts in these parts. Perhaps you may have heard of it. Toad Hall? Why, I'm going that way myself. This canal joins the river some miles further on, a little above Toad Hall. And then it's an easy walk. You can come along in the barge with me, Mrs. Oh, thank you, Mum. Very kind of you, it is. Toad's luck again. I always come out on top. So, you're in the washing business, Mrs. And a very good business you've got too, I dare say. Finest business in the whole country. All the gentry come to me wouldn't go to anyone else if they were paid. You, they know me so well. You, you see, I understand my work thoroughly and attend to it all myself. Washing, ironing, clear starching, making up gents' fine shirts for evening wear. Everything's done under my own eye. Surely you don't do all that work yourself, a woman of your age? My age? I have girls, twenty or thereabouts, always at work. But I, I still work myself. I'm not too old for that. So you're fond of washing then? I love it. I simply dote on it. Never so happy as when I've got both arms in the wash tub. But then it comes so easy to me. No trouble at all. A real pleasure, I assure you, ma'am. Well, what a bit of luck meeting you. A regular piece of good fortune for both of us. Why? Uh, what, what do you mean? Well, look at me. I like washing too, same as you. But whether I liked it or not, I've got to do all me own, naturally, moving about as I do. My husband, he's a fellow that's quick to shirk his work and he leaves the barge to me. By rights, he ought to be here now, steering or attending to the horse. Instead, he's gone off with the dog to see if they can't pick up a rabbit for dinner somewhere. Says he'll catch me up at the next lock. Well, that's as may be, but meantime, how am I to get on with me washing? Yeah, oh, never mind about the washing. Try and fix your mind on that rabbit. Nice fat young rabbit, I'll be bound. Got any onions? I can't fix my mind on anything but my washing. And I wonder how you can be talking of rabbits with such a joyful prospect before you. There's a heap of things of mine that you'll find in a corner of the cabin. If you'll just take one or two of the most necessary sort, I won't venture to describe them to a lady like you, but you'll recognise them at a glance, and put them through the wash tub as we go along, why, it'll be a pleasure to you and a real help to me. You'll find a tub handy and soap and a kettle on the stove and a bucket to haul up water from the canal. Here, um, you, you let me steer uh, and then you can get on with your washing your own way. 
I might spoil your things or not do them as you like. I'm more used to gentlemen's things myself. It's my special line. Let you steer. Take some practice to steer a barge properly. Besides, it's dull work and I want you to be happy. No, you shall do the washing you're so fond of and I'll stick to steering that I understand. If it comes to that, I suppose any fool can wash. Toad went below deck and fetched a tub, soap and other necessaries from the cabin. Then he selected a few garments at random from the enormous and very grimy pile on the floor. A long half hour passed and every minute of it saw him getting crosser and crosser. Nothing that he could do to the things seemed to please them or do them any good. He tried coaxing, he tried slapping, he tried punching. They smiled back at him out of the tub, unconverted, happy in their original sin. His back ached badly and he noticed with dismay that his hands were beginning to get all crinkly. He felt thoroughly dreadful and muttered words under his breath that should never pass the lips of either washerwoman or toads. <laughs> I've been watching you all the time and you've confirmed all my suspicions about your bragging washerwoman. Ha! I'll wager you've never washed so much as a dishcloth in your life. You common, low, fat bargewoman. Don't you dare talk to your betters like that. I would have you know that I am Toad, the very well-known, respected, distinguished Toad. I may be under a bit of a cloud at present, but I will not be laughed at by a bargewoman. Now I have a closer look, so you are. Well, I never. A horrid, nasty, crawly toad. And in my nice, clean barge too. Now that is a thing I will not have. She relinquished the tiller for a moment and a big mottled arm shot out and caught toad by a foreleg. The world turned suddenly upside down. The barge seemed to flit lightly across the sky. The wind whistled in his ears and Toad found himself flying through the air, revolving rapidly as he went. The water, when he eventually reached it with a loud splash, proved quite cold and as he rose to the surface spluttering, he saw the bargewoman looking back at him over the stern of the retreating barge and laughing, and he vowed as he coughed and choked to be even with her. He struck out for the shore, but the cotton gown greatly impeded his efforts, and when at length he touched land, he found it hard to climb up the steep bank unassisted. He had to take a minute or two's rest to recover his breath. Then gathering his wet skirts well over his arms, he started to run after the barge as fast as his legs would carry him, 
wild with indignation and thirsting for revenge. The barge woman was still laughing when he drew up level with her. <laughs> Put yourself through your mangle, washerwoman, and iron your face and crimp it, and you'll pass for quite a decent-looking toad. <laughs> toad never paused to reply. Solid revenge was what he wanted, not cheap, windy verbal triumphs. He saw what he wanted ahead of him, and running swiftly, he overtook the horse, unfastened the tow rope, and cast it off. Then he jumped on the horse's back and urged it to a gallop in the direction of the open country. Here! Come back with my horse, you dreadful little toad! Stop, you hear me? Stop! Stop! <laughs> I've heard that song before, and I don't much like the name. The barge horse was not capable of any very sustained effort, and its gallop soon subsided into a trot, and its trot into an easy walk. But Toad was quite contented with this, knowing that he at any rate was moving, and the barge was not. He had quite recovered his temper now that he had done something he thought really clever, and he was satisfied to jog along quietly in the sun, steering his horse along byways and bridle paths, and trying to forget how very long it had been since he had had a square meal. He had travelled some miles and was feeling drowsy in the hot sunshine when the horse stopped, lowered his head and began to nibble the grass. And Toad, waking up, looked about him and found he was on a wide common dotted with patches of gorse and bramble as far as he could see. Near him stood a dingy gypsy caravan and beside it a man was sitting on a bucket turned upside down very busy smoking and staring into the wide world. A fire of sticks was burning nearby and over the fire hung an iron pot and out of that pot came forth bubblings and gurglings and a vague suggestive steaminess. Also smells, warm, rich and varied smells that twined and twisted and wreathed themselves at last into one complete, voluptuous, perfect smell. Evening. G good evening. Uh, that, that's quite a big pot you have there. It is. Probably feed an army. I expect it would. Of course, there's no army round here, just you and me. That's right. The gypsy puffed on his pipe as the pot bubbled and boiled, and Toad, his stomach grumbling, sniffed and sniffed. Want to sell that there horse of yours? At first Toad was completely taken aback, but then it occurred to him he could turn the horse into cash, 
ready money he sorely needed, and have a free dinner, maybe even seconds as well. But he knew the way to a good price was not to seem too eager. What? Me sell this beautiful young horse of mine? Oh no, it's out of the question. Who's going to take the washing home to my customers every week? Besides, I'm too fond of him and he simply dotes on me. Try and love a donkey. Some people do. You don't seem to see that this fine horse of mine is a, is a cut above you altogether. He's a blood horse. He, he is, uh, partly. Not, not the part you see, of course, uh, another part. And he's been a prize hackney, too, in his time. Sell him? No, I could never do it. But, uh, argument's sake, if I did, how much might you offer me for this beautiful young horse of mine? Shilling a leg. A shilling a leg? Why, oh, it comes to exactly four shillings and no more. Oh, no, I could not think of accepting four shillings for this beautiful beast. We are far too close to be separate for such a paltry sum. I'll make it five shillings, and that's three and sixpence more than the animal's worth. That's my last word. Look here, my good man, I'll tell you what we will do, and this is my last word. You shall hand me over six shillings and sixpence, cash down. And further, you shall give me as much dinner as I can possibly eat. And that is my last word. I know a man near here who's wanted this horse of mine for years. I expect that'll do. Spit in your hand and we'll make the deal. <laughs> when Toad had taken as much stew on board as he could possibly hold, he got up, said goodbye to the gypsy and the horse, then set off, tramping gaily through the countryside, thinking of his adventures and escapes, and how, even when things had seemed at their worst, he had always managed to find a way out. And his pride and conceit began to swell within him. <laughs> oh, what a clever toad I am. There is surely no animal equal to me for cleverness in the whole world. My enemies shut me up in prison, encircled by sentries. Watched night and day by warders, I walk out through them all. They pursue me with engines and policemen and revolvers. I snap my fingers at them and vanish, laughing into space. I am, unfortunately, thrown into a canal by a bargewoman, and I swim ashore. I seize her horse and ride off in triumph. Then I sell the horse for a pocketful of money and an excellent meal. <laughs> I am the toad, the handsome, the popular, the successful toad. He sang as he walked, and he walked as he sang, and got more inflated every minute. But his pride was shortly to have a severe fall. After some miles of country lanes, he reached the high road, 
and as he turned into it and glanced along its length, he saw approaching him a speck that turned into a dot, and then into a blob, and then into something very familiar, and a double note of warning only too well known fell on his delighted ear. Vroom, 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 vroom. He watched the motor car come along at an easy pace and stepped confidently to wave down his brothers of the wheel. Hello! You there? Could you give me a lift? Wonderful. They are slowing down. Perhaps I can convince them to let me drive. What a lark it would be to drive up to Toad Hall in a motor car. I cannot wait to see the look on Badger's face. <laughs> what a wonderful piece of machinery. So shiny, so... Oh, no. It can't be. Toad became very pale. His heart turned to water. His knees shook and yielded under him, and he doubled up and collapsed with a sickening pain in his interior. And well he might for approaching him was the very car he had stolen out of the yard of the Red Lion Hotel. It's all over now. Chains and policemen again. Prison again. Dry bread and water again. Oh, what a fool I've been. What did I want to go strutting about the country for, singing conceited songs and hailing people in broad daylight on the high road instead of hiding till nightfall and slipping home quietly by back ways. Oh, hapless toad, oh, ill-fated toad. The terrible motor car drew slowly nearer and nearer till at last he heard it stop just short of him. Two gentlemen got out and walked round the trembling heap of crumpled misery lying in the road, and one of them said, Oh dear, this is very sad. Here's a poor old thing, a washerwoman apparently, who has fainted on the road. And they tenderly lifted Toad into the motor car and propped him up with soft cushions and proceeded on their way. When Toad heard them talk in so kind and sympathetic a way, his courage began to revive, and he cautiously opened first one eye and then the other. Uh, thank you for your kindness, dear sirs. I must have been overcome by the heat, but I'm feeling a great deal better now. This is a magnificent machine. The most magnificent thing I've ever seen. I was wondering if perhaps I could sit in the front seat, just to enjoy the fresh air and view the open road. And without waiting for an answer, he scrambled over the seat and reached out to grab the steering wheel from the hands of the shocked driver. turned the wheel one way and then another and the men yelled watch out be careful washerwoman 
but he was now possessed with the evil spirit of the mechanical monster. Washerwoman, indeed. <laughs> I am the toad, the motorcar snatcher, the prison breaker, the toad who always escapes. Sit still and you shall know what driving really is, for you are in the hands of the famous, the skillful, the entirely fearless toad. With a cry of horror, the whole party rose and flung themselves on him. Seize him, they cried. Seize the toad, the wicked animal who stole our motor car. Bind him, chain him, drag him to the nearest police station. Down with the desperate and dangerous toad. But they should have thought. They ought to have been more prudent. And with a half turn of the wheel... Toad sent the car crashing through the low hedge that ran along the roadside and splashing into the horse pond that lay beyond. Toad found himself flying through the air again with the delicate curve of a swallow and quite enjoying the motion until he landed with a thump on the soft, rich grass of a meadow. Sitting up, he could just see the motor car in the pond, nearly submerged. The gentleman and the driver, encumbered by their long coats, were floundering helplessly in the water. He picked himself up rapidly and set off running across country as hard as he could, scrambling through hedges, jumping ditches, pounding across fields till he was breathless and weary and had to settle down into an easy walk. When he had recovered his breath somewhat and was able to think calmly, he began to giggle. <laughs> Toad again. Toad, as usual, comes out on the top. Who's it got them to give him a lift? Who managed to get on the front seat for the sake of fresh air? Who grabbed the wheel and landed them all in a horse-pond? Who escaped, flying gaily and unscathed through the air, leaving them all behind to wallow in the mud? <laughs> Why, Toad, of course, clever Toad, great Toad, magnificent Toad! Who's that behind me? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. About two fields off, he saw the driving party and two large rural policemen running towards him as fast as they could go. Oh, what an ass am I. What a conceited and heedless ass. Swaggering again, shouting and singing songs again, sitting still and guessing again. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. He glanced back and saw to his dismay that they were gaining on him. He ran as fast as he could, but he was a fat animal and his legs were very short, so still they gained. He could hear them close behind him now. Ceasing to heed where he was going, he struggled on blindly and wildly, looking back over his shoulder at the now triumphant enemy, when suddenly the earth failed under his feet. He grasped at the air and... He found himself 
head over heels in deep water, rapid water, water that bore him along with a force he could not contend with, and he knew in his blind panic he had run straight into the river. He rose to the surface and tried to grasp the reeds that grew along the water's edge, but the stream was so strong that it tore them out of his hands. Uh, oh, oh, oh my! Uh, uh, help! I, I promise I shall never steal a motor car again, and I will never sing another conceited song. Please, someone help poor Toad! But the water pulled him under again, swirling him around in its muddy darkness. And just when he thought all hope was lost, something reached in and grabbed him. <laughs> what? Hurrah! I'm saved. And who is my hero? I must thank him. He has earned the eternal gratitude of Toad. Hello, Toad. Ratty.